Hey, it's Clay. Welcome to another episode of the Money with Clay podcast. This past week has been a treasure trove of data points and pathways that and rabbit holes and whatever you want to call them for this week's podcast. So I'm going to look at two articles here and it's not shouldn't be epically long, but good solid information of the, the risks that exist, not only from a personal wealth building perspective in the sense of, hey, how can you take control? How can you get ahead in life? But also for more of a, things are maybe looking more and more shaky out there as far as an economy is concerned. And if you did listen to last week's episode, I talked about how I believe there's some opportunity that is going to arise for those people that are patient, that stick with the plan. And this kind of compounds onto that because yeah, here's more data that suggests, you know what? If you have your house in order, if you have all your ducks in a row, and then the opportunity seems like it's getting closer and closer to potentially coming. But overall though, what I mainly wanna focus on are, are just some scary situations that you can allow yourself to potentially be in. And who knows, if you are in them, then so just I want you to know that you're not alone, but there's, you know, you gotta start to focus on, okay, how can I fix this problem? First step in fixing a problem, though, is admitting there's a problem in the first place, right? So as you're gonna about to see here, there are definitely some problems out there. So the first article I wanna talk about here is, and I don't know if this is the time of year where lots of surveys are done or statistics are released, but like I said at the beginning, just so many different choices to talk about. I mean, a treasure trove of articles and my brother-in-law who's been on the show before, he's uh, Mark, works for Google, but he always texts me over articles and he sent me over a couple of these and then there were some of them that I found uh, and then there is one where I'm like, oh yeah, we both found it. Uh, but like I said, a lot of information out there. But the first one from CNBC, household debt jumps the most in 12 years, Federal Reserve report says. Going back to last week, talking about that opportunity, be patient. Here's a signal, household debt jumps the most in 12 years. That's a long time, right? 12 years, wow. So picking up with the article, household debt surged in 2019, marking the biggest annual increase since just before the financial crisis, according to the New York Federal Reserve. Total household debt has balances rose 601 billion last year, topping 14 trillion for the first time, according to a new report by the federal branch. The last time the growth was that large was 2007, when household debt rose by just over 1 trillion. <laughs> so again, the last time, all this sort of dynamics was occurring was right before the big financial crisis that occurred, uh, I guess over a decade ago now. Wow, time flies. But the point here being, hey, you know, it, it, things are starting to look relatively similar. Am I saying that the markets are going to crash and plummet like they did during the financial bubble? I'm not willing to go that far, but do I believe there could be some pullbacks and some opportunities for those that are saving cash, are setting cash aside. Yes, I absolutely do believe that is the case. And like I said, to, to kind of piggyback off last week's episode, we have more data of it right here. But think about that, over $1 trillion, that's crazy. Fed economists said on the Liberty Street Economics blog that the growth was driven mainly by a large increase in mortgage debt balances, which rose $433 billion and was also the largest since 20, or 2007. Housing debt now accounts for 9.95 billion of the total balance. Balances for auto loans and credit cards both increased 
by $57 billion for the year, according to the Fed. The Economist said that the in the blog post that credit cards have or credit cards have again surpassed student loans as the most common form of initial credit history among young borrowers followed several years after the crisis when the student loans were higher. So credit cards have overtaken student loans now. That's you know that's relatively scary cuz credit cards that those, those those suckers don't exactly have uh, consumer-friendly interest rates attached to them. And to finish up with the article here, the data also show that transitions into delinquency among credit card borrowers have steadily risen since 2016, notably among younger borrowers. So delinquency, meaning you're not paying, has been beginning to rise. Again, one of those leading indicators. Things looking a little bit shaky out there. However, even as the total amount of household debt has risen, the level of household debt service as a percentage of disposable person income is at all-time lows going back to 1980. So that is one of those reasons why I'm not willing to sit here and say, uh-oh, we're getting a total financial meltdown like we did back in 28 or 2008. You know, there, that's why I said, do I still think that a pullback's coming? Do I think that there's going to be some corrections that are needed? Absolutely. You know, am I saying it's happening not next month? No, absolutely not. As I was talking about last week, you know, for those people that are more bigger picture minded, and when I say bigger picture, I don't mean, you know, it's going to come in the next two decades. No, I within the next couple years, I can see something really starting to show up here. And, you know, that's why when I say coming, I don't mean next week. I don't mean next month. But these signs, they're starting to show. But again, because when you look at the statistics like that, relative to the, you know, disposable personal income, it's not like you have people out there just borrowing way, way, way more than they can ever afford or anything like that. But still, every, you know, there, there's got to always be a give and take. And then, the, like I said, finish up the article here. The new report showed credit standards tightening for some sorts of debt, even as the overall balance increased. The median credit score for newly originating borrowers for mortgages and auto loans increased slightly in the fourth quarter, according to the Fed. So that's always good. That's that's a nice little sign that they're not just, uh, do you have a pulse? Yes. Okay. And you're breathing oxygen? Yes. Oh right, yeah, here you go. Here, here's just spend away, spend away. I mean, it's good that there is still, you know, some credit standards out there. Whereas if you're unfamiliar with history, one of the big reasons why the financial crisis happened was when it came to credit standards, there really wasn't any. It was literally, hey, you don't have to put any money down. Don't worry about provi- you know, prov- proving that you make any money. But hey, here's a loan for a house. So, I mean, good know that there are still credit standards out there, which again, circles back to the, I don't, I don't think there's a reason to think that some sort of financial meltdown is going to happen. Uh, but yeah, there, there's still, when you have debt levels increasing and increasing, you know, at the core, that's never a, a good solid sign. But overall, you know, debt, it's increasing, it's increasing out there, and those are the things that are really gonna hold you back, and those are the things that you always gotta be aware of. Now, to, to piggyback onto this, another article here, and this one is, I mean, this this is the stuff that, you know, if, if you find yourself in this situation, again, it's a problem, and let's just, let's just call it like it is. This is a problem, and that's okay. I've had plenty of problems. Nobody's perfect, nobody goes through life without problems, but like I said at the start, in order to fix a problem, let's just first admit to yourself that it is a problem and that it's something that needs to be focused on. 
But the other freeing part is when you admit this is a problem, you can start asking questions such as, well, okay, how do I fix this problem? What do I need to go do to make this problem go away? And when you start to think in that way, you know what? Solutions are gonna start to show up very, very quickly. And I get it. Well, uh, wow, Clay, that was really, you, you're like the, the next Aristotle, Clay. I'm gonna start to call you Socrates. How do I fix the problem? What a, what a revolutionary question. Fine, good point. I'm not saying that that's a revolutionary thing, but my point is this, is you can't even ask that very, very basic question unless you first admit there's a problem in the first place. So that's kind of the, the core dynamic here that I'm trying to do. But yes, I realize asking the question, how do I fix the problem, isn't really hugely uh, uh, you know, intellectual, but really, that's, what it, that's, that's a beauty about wealth. And you know, just taking control is, you, you don't need a PhD, you just need to ask some really basic questions such as, okay, how do I fix the problem? But sometimes, and in many cases, admitting there is a problem, that's where the, the tricky part comes into play. So this article from CNBC, once again, one in three consumers fear they will max out a credit card. So one in three. And the, the, there's a key number in here uh, that my brother-in-law pointed out to which I fully agree with him. So picking up with the article here, despite the dangers of high interest debt, more consumers are testing the limits of plastic. To that point, more than one in three Americans or 91 million people, that's crazy, said they're afraid they'll max out their credit card when making a large purchase. Which on the surface, I mean, that makes sense, right? Oh man, I'm gonna make a large purchase. I I hope this doesn't max out my credit card, right? That actually makes good solid sense. In fact, I would say that's a very wise way to go about it. If you're making a quote large purchase, then it is very logical, it is very prudent to be saying, you know what, man, I hope this doesn't max out my card, this is a large purchase. However, this is the kicker. Okay, well, yeah, large purchase, but how is large actually being defined? I mean, are are we talking about thousands of dollars? Is that a large purchase? I mean, what is the definition of large? But like any good survey, uh, they were they define that so we can have an a, an actual quantifiable amount to substantiate the word large. So this is all the survey being done according to Wallet Hub credit card survey, and here's the kicker: most of those polled considered a large purchase as anything over one hundred dollars. Listen, I I get it. Money doesn't grow on trees. Money is valuable. Money is something you should you know you you should not take for granted. But later in life, you know, $100 is not that much money. Again, it doesn't grow on trees, but if if you are somebody in a situation where you consider buying something over $100 as large, then you know what, you got you, let's work on your finances. Let's work on what you have in place because that is a problem and the problem and the solution, you know, the question that needs to be asked is, okay, how do I rearrange my personal finances? How do I rearrange my, you know, wealth building strategy to make it where I don't look at $100 and say, wow, that's a, that's a large purchase. How do we get you to the case where you don't consider large until, you know, let's start off here. Let's start off with $500. If you look at $500 and say, you know what, that's a large purchase, 
I would say, all right, that's a much better kind of threshold. But eventually, let's get you to the point where you're like, you know what? $1,000, yeah, that is a large purchase. I, hopefully, that doesn't max out my credit card. I mean, if you can just, now, there's a big difference here. I should specify. I'm not saying to, so you can just go out there and spend frivolously and, and, and buy whatever you want. And as long as it's below $500 or as long as it's you know below $1,000, then who cares? Spend, spend, spend. That's not what I'm pointing. You know, you know, that's not what I'm trying to get at here. I'm trying to get across the idea that, you know what? Let's make it where your personal finances don't necessarily care about a credit card purchase unless it's over $500 and then eventually let's work up to $1,000. But $100, that, that's a severe issue. That is, that is not a whole lot of money. And if a $100 purchase is potentially gonna affect you in a way of maxing out a credit card, that's some very scary territory, and that's a, a a big red flag. That, like I said, you need to either a, a totally new strategy as far as your personal finances are concerned. Maybe you need to do some fine tuning of your personal strategy, or maybe you just actually need to have a strategy in the first place. I don't know where you stand within that spectrum, but first off, again, I want to really reiterate: if you're sitting here saying, "Well, yeah, Clay, a hundred dollars," I that is that I would consider that a large purchase, and I, I do feel like that could potentially max out my credit card. No judgments for me. In fact, I applaud you. I respect you because, again, at least you're acknowledging, at least you're being self-aware and honest with yourself that there is an issue, that there is a problem. And as I've already said, you can't correct a problem unless you admit that it's there. So no judgments for me. Just but ask yourself. I mean, are you one of those people? Does a hundred dollars and then associating that with a credit card or your any? I should say anything over a hundred dollars. Oh man, I, I might be maxing things out. If so, you know, it's time to do some rearranging. So to pick back up with the article, a healthy amount of fare is justified, said Odessa's uh, Papa Demetrius. Wow, that's quite that's a cool name. I'm probably not pronouncing it right. CEO of Waldhub said, issues stemming from large purchases more often concern people making too many of them for the wrong reasons. Yes, that would definitely be a problem. But again, going back to the word large, and just a large anything over $100, got to fix that. More than one-third or 37% also said they have already maxed out their credit card. Think about that. 37% have already maxed out their credit card? Like I said, I'm, I'm, the economy is, is solid, but it makes me think, is the economy as solid as what it seems to be when people are needing to go out there and max out their credit cards? And 14% said they have maxed it out more than once. All right. So just an ongoing routine of maxing out your credit card. And uh, this survey was done. It says WallHub polled more than 700 people. Still, most Americans continue to take on an ever-increasing amount of debt. According to data from the Federal Reserve, the U.S. surpassed $1 trillion in credit card debt, the highest level since the Great Depression. And they actually linked the other article we just talked about. U.S. households with revolving credit card debt owe nearly $7,000 on average, costing them roughly $1,100 a year in interest payments, according to a NerdWallet survey from 2019. At the same time, about 35% of cardholders are starting 2020 with more credit card debt than they had in the beginning of 2019. So that there's a trend. That's not a trending in the right direction. A much better statistic there would be they're starting with less credit card debt. But that's the problem with debt. 
is compounding interest when you're investing into the stock market, for example, that works really, really well for you. Because, well, those numbers, those quote unquote interest rates are working in your favor. But when it comes to debt, those interest rates, that's working against you. It's all compounding, so it's not very shocking to hear that, well, yeah, people that started off 2019 with debt, now all of a sudden have more debt to start with 2020, because it's like a reverse compounding interest. It's becoming more and more difficult to pay off debt when you're just making minimum payments, and especially with the credit cards. First off, I'm not a, I don't have anything against credit cards, but that assumes that you pay them off every single month. If you are paying minimums, then you are just asking to never get ahead in life. You are just asking to never be able to build wealth. All you are doing is making somebody else wealthy. You are making the credit card companies wealthy. You are making people like myself wealthy. How? Well, if I invest in credit card company stocks, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, well then my stock or their stock is gonna go up because you keep making them rich. And when their stock goes up, not only am I making money because the stock goes up, but they're paying dividends, which means that puts me even more money into my pocket. So stop making the credit card companies rich. Just get them rich in the sense of the fees, right? I mean, whenever uh, you, know, you use your credit card at a store, that store is charged a, you know, a fee. But just let them make their money that way. Don't, make, don't let them make their money because you're paying crazy interest rates because all you do is, wow, I spent... $1,000, but the minimum amount I need to pay is just 100 bucks? Oh, this is an awesome deal. I'm just gonna pay the 100 bucks then. Reverse compounding interest. You are never, ever, and this is, not, this is not my opinion. This is just good old factual mathematics. You will never, ever get ahead. You will never be able to build wealth. If your philosophy is, let me just pay the minimum on my credit card. Because you're just gonna be always paying, always paying, and that's money that, you know, the opportunity cost that comes with that as well, the opportunity to be able to invest in the things that actually appreciate in value, not necessarily the stock market, but maybe saving for a down payment for a home, for, you know, an asset that's actually gonna historically increase in value. So with just paying the minimums, not so good. Uh, let's see, so, and fewer cardholders said they paid their monthly balance in full in each of the past six months than compared to one year ago. So again, that, same exact thing I'm just talking about. Less and less people are now able to pay off their bills in full, and as soon as you do that, because of the math and those high interest rates, it just becomes harder and harder to actually get the thing paid off. However, more cardholders said they felt very confident about their ability to pay their credit card's monthly statement balance in full going forward. So that that's good, I'm, I'm glad they're very confident, but uh, to me, as a survey, I think that's a little wishful thinking and justification of purchase. What do I mean? Well, let me put it this way. And I'm, I'm sure there's people out there that are doing this, which is just financial suicide, but most people are not gonna make a purchase on their credit card without, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be able to pay it off. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 I'll be able to pay it off. Buy it now. I mean, I, I, most people are not gonna be like, well, you know, I'm not very confident that I'm gonna be able to pay this off, but Whatever, I'm gonna buy it now. Again, there are some people out there that do that, and uh, there's a reason why, uh, in some situations, I have zero pity, because those people are making the conscious decision to still purchase something, even though they know they can't afford it. Like, they literally can't afford it. But yeah, in many cases, people are at least gonna trick themselves mentally and say, oh yeah, 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 I'm very confident I'll be able to pay it off, buy now. 
Now, in many cases, that doesn't play out. But so, like I said, I, I get it. Yeah, everybody's going to say they feel very confident in a survey, but that was probably the very same self-fulfilling prophecy that they used in the first place to justify them making that purchase. While the confidence is great, it's almost certainly not going to be the case, said Matt Schultz, chief industry analyst at Compare Cards. We are still running up debt, so at some point, something has to give. Exactly, and that's what circles back to the whole idea about there's opportunity coming. And if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I'd encourage you to do that uh, because, I mean, for those people that are diligent, for those people that have a plan and have been saving, there's going to be opportunity rising because you're starting to see more and more stuff like this out there. But my challenge to you, like I said, is yeah, stay diligent, stay with your plan. But if you are somebody where you, you know, that $100, oh wow, yeah, I definitely anything over $100, that's a large purchase. What, what, what do you need to do? What can happen that can get that up to $500 before you consider a large purchase? And then $1,000. I mean, look at your finances. You, there's stuff you can do. What that stuff is, I mean, there, there's, it's a situation by situation, but I assure you, there are things that you can do in order to get your finances in order. Uh, you know, I'd be happy to give you my thoughts. Just as always, reach out to me. You know, I offer training courses at moneywithclay.com that can help out. Uh, the Slab Money Method is my personal finance course. Shows how I paid off my debt and how I run my finances to build wealth and to put myself, you know, to make the system work for me, right? Because that's really, there's two people out there. Those people that work for the system and then those people that make the system work for them. And the beautiful thing about uh, at, at least the USA, I, I can't speak for other countries given I live in the USA, but if you're willing and have a plan, have some patience, have some persistence, you can definitely make the system work for you. Uh, it's not necessarily easy at all times, but it's 100% possible and it's something that anybody can do. But like I said, it just goes back to actually having a strategy, having a plan, persistence, and a bit of patience. So hopefully this um, can either serve as a wake-up call or offer you up that much more encouragement that if you are somebody that's out there saving and you're out there just, just okay, when's my opportunity gonna come? It's looking like it's getting nearer and nearer. So thank you for hanging out. Thank you for uh, you know considering my thoughts here. As always, I appreciate it and I look forward to next week's episode. So I will see you back next week. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I wanna just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out in the iTunes, especially if you could leave us a rating. That goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there, and I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself either in debt or just feeling like your, your personal finances are kind of out of control or could be much more efficient, then I would encourage you to go to moneywithclay.com and check out the Slab Money Method. That is the course that I put together as a former process engineer that outlined every single step, step by step by step with documentation, with forms to fill out, that'll put you on the path, the exact path I used to pay off $163,000 of debt and get myself to the point where not only am I debt free, but I am now able to build wealth and build wealth in an efficient uh, manner. So if you're curious and interested in that, again, moneywithclay.com and that is the slab money method. And no, this is not all some massive sales pitch when I say that it works, it truly does. And I back that up with more than words. My action behind those words is that course comes with a one year money back guarantee. So if you try it out and you're not making any progress, you're not seeing any progress, 
then I will refund you the cost of the course, which is very minimal to begin with. And then finally, make sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, just look up for Money With Clay and you will see us there. Again, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you back next episode.